0: Hi, I'm Marika, and welcome to Money Chillouts. On this podcast, I want to dive into the world of the often spoken topic of money. Effective personal finance management can be a great liberator, but also a huge stress factor in our lives. After a 10-year career on trading flows in London, I want to help demystify the intimidating world of finance and have an open, honest, and frank conversation. By opening the discussion, I wish you identify yourself, learn, be inspired, and get empowered. Every other week, I'll be joined by guests for conversation on money, mindsets, investment habits, and any best practices they abide by. So join me on this journey as we unpick the complexities of finance and get more comfortable talking about our money. And when you're ready to go further in mastering your finances, come and work with me on a one-to-one coaching. You'll grow your awareness, move on with your projects, and have an accountability buddy to track your progress. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome Jean-Marie, a computer engineer who discovered cryptos back in 2016. At the time, he lived in New York, discovered the corporate America, and decided to quit his 9-to-5 to pursue his passion. And it works pretty well. As there was very little content for a French-speaking audience, he launched his YouTube channel back in 2017 and wrote two books, Living Thanks to the Cryptos, How to Invest to Become a Millionaire, back in 2018, and Is Bitcoin a Bubble, in 2019. We met in Portugal, where now lives, and even though I've never been a fan of cryptos myself, I really enjoyed meeting Jean Marie as he is a simple, passionate, and long term investor, not necessarily what you would expect from the typical crypto guy. So let's open our minds to a new model and worth thinking, at least for me. So, hi, Jean Marie, how are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you very much.
0: Cool. Super happy to have you on this podcast. So, thanks for your time. I'm very interested in today's subject. As I already told you, cryptos are not really my thing. I much prefer traditional assets, but I'm happy we got to meet and liked how our discussion opened my eyes and gave me a new perspective. So I'm sure it's going to be the same for the people listening. So, can you briefly tell us what blockchain is and what is its purpose?
1: Well, it's a trust machine. Well, it's hard to explain in a very few words, but you have to see it as a technology that really redefines trust. In simple terms, you could see it as an endless blank sheet where everybody will be able to see what's going on. We will write everything that's what's happening and everybody will be able to check that ledger and see what's going on in the world kind of. It shares some key properties such as decentralization, because everybody can have a piece of it. It's immutable because nobody can change what's going on. And I mean, what's been written in it. We have no third parties, meaning you don't have right now, if you want to send money from a point A to a point B, you will need to use one bank, maybe two in the process. This technology would allow you to uh, remove third parties. So that allows censorship resistance and obviously it's borderless and a topic that's not being brought up a lot, but that I feel is important is that it's apolitical, meaning the blockchain doesn't care. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) It's just a technology.
0: Yeah. So it's super transparent, it's much more efficient and there's a lot of different cryptos now. So can you give us a broad overview of two or maybe three and what makes them different?
1: Okay. So first of all, let me start with uh, the classical. That's not financial advice. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) But it's hard to pick uh, in a way that there are more than uh, 15,000 cryptocurrencies nowadays. And obviously it's a lot to take in for newcomers. And I would, if I had to pick two or three, I would pick like Bitcoin, number one. You can see it as a gold uh, 2.0. And I would pick. Ethereum, where you can understand it as infrastructure of uh, the next generation internet, because it offers a set of technology that would ease the process for developers to create blockchain native application. And uh, you could see it kind of uh, the iOS of the next internet, where you build application on top. Those two are already massive, actually, in terms of technology that everything it brings to the table, those two probably uh, represent 75% of the interest of the cryptosphere. Mm-hmm. And if I had to name a third one, I could mention Polkadot because every blockchain is kind of railways and they don't interconnect with each other. And some projects such as Polkadot or Cosmos, for example, they try to connect blockchain to each other so that they are not independent. And it's interesting to see how it evolves in the next few years.
0: Interesting, cool. And can you give us example on how and what they can be used for?
1: Well, there are many, many use cases. Some are yet to be discovered, as much as we didn't know uh, when internet was launched, kind of, in the early days, like 1995. We didn't know that Twitter would be coming. We didn't know that we would find love, online we didn't know that we would order food on uber eats so some use cases are yet to be created but some obvious ones are linked mostly to monetary advantages mostly for developing countries that's why we don't necessarily see it when you're coming from a developed world because you don't need an alternative to the money you have right now the usd or the euro are stable money but when you are part of a country where the currency is having trouble against the dollar then you start to look for alternative and we've seen examples in Greece when there was some financial crisis where the bank were frozen for 2 weeks and it actually was hard for the people like to just they understood they were prisoners of their own country so in one way as i said blockchain tech and I'm saying blockchain here, not crypto entirely, but blockchain tech allows to remove third parties. Bitcoin allows citizens of a country to have an alternative in terms of money and being sovereign for them. Mm-hmm. Just to give you an example, in 2018, in 2018, the IMF estimated that Venezuela's inflation rate was about 1 million percent. Just imagine the minimum salary doesn't cope. And obviously, you have no other choice to flee the country or find other ways to store your value.
0: And can you give us a few numbers or statistics or even news of the crypto market? What has the direction taken?
1: So I have a kind of a broad approach on the market. So I would pick some fundamentals news, uh, which I believe are important. So one of them is El Salvador. So the country that uh, made Bitcoin legal tender in uh, last September 2021. So that was a huge milestone. And we currently see the IMF. like They tweeted very recently, like two or three days ago, urging El Salvador to remove Bitcoin as legal tender because it could disrupt the financial market. So that's one thing. We also have Fidelity, these management funds. They have about one of the biggest... In the world, they have about 5 trillion assets under management. They recently did a report, like last week, that they considered Bitcoin a monetary good. And it was they compared it face to face with gold and fiat, and they consider it better in most points. The only drawback being it's less than 15 years old. Mm-hmm. And they also declared that they own the so same Fidelity, also declared that they own Bitcoin since 2014 and they are involved in mining. So we clearly see that even the biggest asset managers of the world are stepping in. And also, we saw Vladimir Putin coming on and say that Russia had a competitive advantage in the mining uh, ecosystem, in the mining industry. So to me, that brings mining as a subject of geopolitics, which is very important. At scale, I mean, and a point to your readers in terms of statistics is that you and I like talking about this subject. It means that we are very early still, because less than five percent of people own crypto in the world.
0: Wow, that is such an interesting one because I have the impression literally everybody <laughs> has it. <laughs> yes. Wow.
1: But it's actually a very tiny market. It's less than two trillions, rather than than gold.
0: Yeah. And about investing, so can you tell us how you discovered the cryptos when it was not at all mainstream and what you liked about them and which one did you look at first and when did you start investing?
1: So I encountered crypto by chance. Uh, I was working in New York at the time and I went to a developer conference and one of the guys of Ethereum team gave a talk and I did not understand a thing. So that was kind of uh, weird because my colleague as well did not understand. So we dove in the subject and most of our colleague, uh, most of the people around us were either saying it's just, uh, just a fad or they just didn't know about it. And it was kind of hard because it's a complicated <laughs> topic and there was no French resources. So I was mostly interested in Ethereum because at the time, as an engineer, I was quick to understand the potential of it uh, being the next iOS, where many developers could build on top of it. And we don't know what's going to happen, but something will come out, out of it. So it's only later that I understood the full power of Bitcoin, decentralization, being apolitical, being borderless, being censorship resistant. That's only later. So mm-hmm. yeah, late 2016, then I started investing a little bit. But not enough. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because, yeah, I was at the start of my career back then. I didn't have much capital, but I wanted to just step in because that would force me to also learn more. And yeah, now we almost six years down the line, the ecosystem has evolved uh, tremendously. I started investing a little, kind of a little bit every month.
0: Okay, that's good. And what has been your strategy? Since then, you're a long time investor, or what's the what's the story?
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting point here because I was reading the um, snowball effect. It's a biography on Warren Buffett at the time, so I was very inspired by him. And the strategy he recommends, uh, Warren Buffett, is just buy an asset that you believe in, that you want to hold for your life, or at least the next five years. So the strategy was simple. We were in 2016 and I invested, well, first of all, it was small amount, but I invested in the, with the idea of, okay, let's see what's happening in 2021. So I really had a long-term view on this, and I was focusing on the fundamentals, being aware that it was 1995 for the internet, or maybe even before, so, yeah, I was really focused on the fundamental and aware that yeah, slow and steady wins the game, kind of, was my approach. <laughs> okay, cool. Do you know when the first email was sent?
0: Hmm, 1970s or something?
1: Yes, exactly, 1971. So Ethereum, per se, was created in 2015. So it's even younger than uh, Bitcoin. So just imagine like it's just a, a new technology It's kind of, we were back in 1970 for the internet and you see how far it has come. You cannot wrap your hand around that gap actually. So it's a leap of faith kind of as well.
0: I like it, like the parallel. (laughs) And do you have any tips for people who want to be involved now? Is it too late? Do you think, no, there's still a lot of potential.
1: Short answer, no, it's not too late. I mean, not financial advice, but as I said earlier, only 5% of the people in the world are. Really holding and actively involved with crypto. So there's still a lot of potential growth. So, obviously, the way you should invest depends on your profile, (laughs) your age, your aggressiveness, the assets you already have. So, it's hard to give advice, but my main advice would be be simple. If you're new to the space, buy a tiny bit of Bitcoin or a tiny bit of Ethereum, or I would start with one of those two, but Any crypto you can find on Coinbase or Kraken, those are very easy to use platforms. And this will force you to follow the news because you have your skin in the game. So you will get interested about it. You will learn about monetary policies. You will understand about economy, sociology, game theory, geopolitics, even philosophy. Because it's a very philosophical approach, actually, because if you're saying like, one of the motive for some people is banking the unbanked because you have about two to three billion people not having access to a financial system in deep Asia or even Africa. And now with just a smartphone and an internet connection, they actually can get on a financial system. They can get paid and give services to the whole world online. So that's clearly opening up uh, new f- barriers and frontiers. So to me, if you want to start investing, be simple and invest a little bit every month, like DCA, I don't know if you've covered that, dollar cost averaging, meaning like you define a small piece of your salary, of your income every month that you will put, or you define the d- temporality, but it can be every week, it can be every month.
0: Okay, cool. And because it's a hot topic... Do you think people invest because of FOMO or the fear of missing out or for the product and technologies behind it?
1: Well, clearly, FOMO is clearly a driver because, I mean, it goes back to when you understand Bitcoin after a few cycles in the market, you realize that psychology is actually a very big player in the market. Mm. In finance, we realize that the market is actually always wrong because what we see in the graphs are just emotions. The graphs reflects the sentiment, but not the reality. So, the price of an asset doesn't mean its true value. So, valuing a price, valuing an asset is not the same as its price. Obviously, FOMO kicks in when every TV channel speaks about Bitcoin, when they hit you know, newspaper covers. Obviously, people get to know they're like, "Oh my God, it's been such a..." on a rampage over the last 10 years, I have to get in, but it's actually, obviously it's very volatile and then people sometimes get hurt. But yeah, FOMO is a clear driver. And I wish people were less emotional about it because...
0: But it's true for everything. I agree. Like behavioral finance and um, as you said, controlling your emotions, it's huge, huge parts. So how do you explain the fact that people who've never invested before have started with the cryptos?
1: Ah, okay. The statistic shows that they are more likely to want Bitcoin than gold. Clearly, there is this quick cash grab that I think is uh, luring them. They think probably that they can get rich quick. I mean, we see, and we'll probably dive in later with NFTs, but you see those success stories of youngsters that became millionaire or even billionaires in a couple of weeks a couple of months and obviously that that makes people wonder why not me but if someone got a billion dollar in two weeks, many other people lost their money you know to finance this guy, this one guy. So yeah I think it's just the easiness, the ease of investing, probably the marketing has been a little bit better than um, the boring traditional finance and probably the um, impression and actually it's not an impression of being the master of your choices because right now you're going to the bank. They kind of decide for you, you're buying a product. They say, okay, it's averaging uh, 5% per year and you just don't do nothing and you hope that they perform on those 5%. So I think it's a mix between easiness, process of thinking you're mastering your finance and also the extreme growth success story that they see you know in the newspaper so yeah we've seen it with shiba with dogecoin obviously when it's hyped by people such as elon musk that makes you wonder yeah okay so that should be the next big thing right Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and again the brain always forgets where it does not go as well (laughs) so you always focus you have a big survival bias
1: for me I, i focus on the fundamentals And what I see is countries getting on board with it. It's being talked at G20 and G7 level. So it's being taken more seriously. Obviously, there are many pitfalls and lots of scams that needs to be addressed. They will be regulated later down the line. But as more countries will consider Bitcoin as legal tender, more services will be built. And more people will be onboarded because, yeah, it's about usefulness, right? Also, that, that's because being an alternative to money, okay, it's nice, but there are also services that are being built. So I see the market going up in a 10 years window. So that's my, my thing. I will quote the Winklevoss um, brothers, so the one that well, supposedly created uh, Facebook. Uh, so they say that software is eating the world. And gold is on the menu. So if we go from that quote, then crypto market is two trillion, the gold market is about 11 trillion, so there is already a 5x growth in the next maybe 10, 20-year window, and then so that's just for Bitcoin, kind of. But then you take Ethereum, Ethereum being kind of the derivatives alternative. that's probably a shortcut, but. it's on the derivative uh, side, then the derivative industry right now in the traditional finance is about, it's 600 trillion plus. So even if a few percentage of that money comes to Ethereum, it should grow. People focus on the price. I focus on adoption, you know? And there's a big difference between attention and adoption. Meaning you, you see adoption in terms of countries adopting Bitcoin, but the price action is actually not relevant in the 10-year window. That's what I'm saying.
0: Okay. Yeah. So still growth in terms of volume then. Cool. And there's a lot of people as well who complain that cryptos are not environmentally friendly. So it used to represent the energy of Greece. Now it consumes more than the country, Argentina. What do you have to say or where are we going there?
1: So there are many things to say on the topic. That's one thing. The crypto market is consuming a lot of energy. That saddened me a little, but there is hope. (laughs) I just invite people to have a kinder look on that because of what it brings to the table as well. What I'm saying is that we are early to the space and more technology will be built. I mean, more environmentally friendly solutions will be built. For example, Ethereum is... Getting a big update this year in 2022, where it will reduce its footprint about 99%. Same as Bitcoin. Okay, we see the number because there's difference between, okay, we see the kilowatts per hour that's being consumed and we compare it to Argentina's, for example. But the thing is that we don't know how much of this consumption is made with renewable energy because there is a very hard thing to do in the energy space is to store the extra energy that's not being used, actually. If you produce, let's say that it's a windy night and you have some uh, wind wind energy, then if you have nobody on the other end to use this energy, then it's just not stored or we have a hard time storing it. So Bitcoin could be a way to actually secure a financial market with renewable energy. and. This is already in place with wind energy, with hydraulic energy, sometimes solar energy, and more recently, uh, volcano energy. That's what they're doing in El Salvador as well, because they have a very volcanic earth. So yeah, my point is that, yeah, let's have a kind of look on that. Obviously, it's a hot topic. Uh, climate change is very important. But we also have to put it in perspective with the whole financial ecosystem right now that also uses a lot of energy, the ATMs that are 24-7, and other things that we do. So I invite people to also think about the benefits of crypto. And if I may, you you talked about use cases earlier, and something pops in mind uh, in terms of usefulness, such as uh, remittance. So remittance is the money a country makes on the people living abroad their own country. And for example, in France, there is a huge population of Philippine people and they send money almost every month to their family in the Philippines. And the bank takes a good chunk of it actually, because it's hard to go to the Philippines. So we have some specific services that does that. And if you, for example, for Bitcoin, well, if they have something that works 24 seven, that's instant and that doesn't take a huge fee. Well, maybe they're saving $10 on each transaction, but those $10 maybe represent three or four days of work in their own country. So that's actually a game changer for some people. So yeah, obviously it has some drawbacks. Energy consumption is one of them, but it also brings so much to the table that we have to have a kind of look and be confident that we'll find new ways to be
0: more environmental Mm trending. So let's talk now about your projects. So you've launched a YouTube channel back in 2017 and reached a few thousands of followers. And since then, you've stopped because you had the impression you were not attracting the right people, uh, meaning people who wanted quick cash. So can you tell us a bit about it?
1: Well, yes, I started the YouTube channel because there was no resources online on, in French. So I got also many questions from friends and I was tired of repeating all the time. So I created a YouTube channel in order to direct them towards some videos. And then obviously it was very fun to do that. But at some point, yeah, YouTube crowd is a very demanding crowd and constantly asking for, for new content. And also I, I realized that I was focusing on the technology. I always said, "Come for the Lamborghini and stay for the technology." But most people came for the Lamborghini only. Yeah, <laughs> And they didn't stay for the tech. So the problem is the time frame is that they want to invest 50 bucks, and two weeks later, they realize they are not a millionaire, and they're asking why? But the thing is that, as I said earlier, slow and steady win the game, but nobody wants to be rich slowly Mm
0: -hmm.
1: (laughs) and that links back to the FOMO thing that you you said earlier as well yeah
0: yeah so you were not aligned anymore which (laughs) I understand and you've also written two books so one in 2018 and one in 2019 so how was the experience what did you get from it
1: well that was interesting because when you are a book lover but you never thought about writing a book Then at some point, so you have a huge imposter syndrome. (laughs) And then you realize that, okay, the author of the book you're reading uh, writing sentences that makes paragraph, those paragraphs makes chapters, and then altogether that makes a book. (laughs) So yeah, I realized that I had something to share that could be useful. And um, yeah, that was a great, great experience. And also I realized that you don't sell a book, you sell a cover (laughs) And that people buying or downloading your book doesn't mean they will read it either. <laughs> so yeah, but overall, it was a great experience. By the way, the first book I co-wrote it was my friends and colleague, uh, Gregor. Yeah, that was a, a cool experience. And I'm actually writing the third one right now. I don't know when it's going to be out. It will be about the great uh, transfer. So the, the, the way that we see the... Money flowing towards crypto tech and Web three in general. So
0: okay, looking forward to it then. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And um, you also had a, a burnout last summer, so thanks for opening on the subject because it's never that easy. So can you tell us what happened and and how do you feel today?
1: Well, I feel better. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that with the pandemic. I clearly worked too much because the drawbacks of working from home is you're either not working at all or you're working too much and I was part of those people that worked too much and I realized that I became a slave of my phone uh email notification alarms so I really realized that I was a slave of my phone instead of being the master of it so I I wanted to yeah take a a step back and uh it was actually hard to reach me at some point and even it's harder now because i've deactivated almost everything
0: <laughs> and that's so interesting because i think like so many people are like you and sometimes me i mean on a specific subject maybe i can kind of be hooked to so yeah great to have like the discipline and the courage to say wow i need to be free now <laughs> Yeah.
1: Also, we live in a world. Um, I realized I do watch and read like those motivational videos and everything, but we are actually in the world of more everything more followers, more views, more. And it's actually tiring. And when you take a step back and you don't do nothing for two weeks and you actually realize that the world is still turning. <laughs> You're like, okay, okay. So let's continue for another week.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's pretty refreshing. I agree. <laughs> so you're settling in Portugal now. And one thing that you envisage is to do something around mental and financial health. And I love that subject because I'm really sure they're very intertwined. So, what's cooking?
1: Yeah, well, so as I said earlier, like many people want to get into trading or investing. But I realized that actually what they need is uh, emotional coaching. Every decision they make should not always be based on emotion. But also, I realized that mental health determines your financial success, kind of. And uh, they are actually very much intertwined. And since it's not, first of all, the financial subject is not taught in school, and the mental subject is actually not taught in school. So that proves that there is something to do on that subject. And um, yeah, I do believe that mental health is actually undervalued, clearly undervalued, and should be taken care of because, as I said earlier, like we are in a world of more everything, recentering on the person. I- I'm not saying you should not like nice cars or nice watch, but, <laughs> but it-, it should come from the right place, not just I want to impress someone. That's something I try to refocus on as well.
0: Yeah. I think you're on the right path, surely, because you really should think about everything that you do, how is that impacting my well-being, my happiness, and the happiness of people around me. I think that the
1: even money, because some people come to invest because they want to obviously improve their lifestyle or have a better financial uh, financials, but it also doesn't mean anything, you know. Money will not bring you happiness. Most people think, like, okay, I will be happy when I have X in the bank, but actually, that doesn't work this way.
0: Yeah. And when you have X, you want Y, and you, (laughs) yeah, exactly. You're never satisfied.
1: Exactly. So, this, when I say mental health, it would also be, yeah, never ending satisfaction loop where it's, I think it's important to take a step back and, yeah, realize, just refocus on the basics. So,
0: Love that mentality. I'm with you. (laughs) And um, because they use blockchain too, have you invested in NFTs?
1: No, I haven't got into that space. It's actually a topic in the topic, you know. It's really such blockchain space, crypto investing. It's so wide. You have to focus on some battles, but there is a big but. (laughs) The (laughs) NFTs, you know, NFTs is exactly what we were talking about earlier, back in the days when we'd said, okay, you know, blockchain will revolutionize the insurance industry, the the blockchain will revolutionize the lawyer industry, for example, because everything will be tokenized. It will revolutionize the real estate industry, but we didn't have a name, a specific name for it. And now it's named, it's NFT. So that's actually the packaging that the blockchain world needed, you know? So for now we have the whole zoo because we have like uh, NFTs of uh, giraffe, we have everything, but you have to keep in mind that NFTs is not just art related and uh, a home is an NFT, you as a person are NFT, the music you download could be NFT and it opens up an infinite world of possibilities Mm -hmm. that are yet to be created as I said earlier, we are in 1995 right now for that specific topic. So more services will be brought on. One of the most known is um, OpenSea. We also have Rarible. Yes. We have Sora on the NFT space. So those are proof that there is a demand. It probably will be the gateway to most people to get into crypto in a way, because I'm not saying it's not crypto, but it's part of the ecosystem still. And if it brings a lot of people to okay, to Ethereum, to what's what's a cryptocurrency, then that's great.
0: Mm-hmm. Last question. Do you have more traditional assets?
1: <laughs> mm, well, I, I do believe in having a balanced portfolio. I believe that's the key to last long. So crypto is a risky investment. So I try to also invest in safer assets such as real estate. Okay. It, can be a small percentage of your portfolio but yeah being all in crypto be is, uh, is, <laughs> is yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> cool wow well, thank you so much Marie for this discussion it was super interesting informative and I've personally learned a lot I really like how you give examples so that we can relate and how you bring new perspectives Clearly, it's a hot topic and we'll be there for some time. So it's good to be aware of what's going on. And I'm sure we'll see each other in Portugal. So in the meantime, take care.
1: Thank you very much for having me, uh, Marika. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Pleasure. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: So at the end of this episode, I hope you're as enthusiastic as I am. You can find the notes and the key takeaways on my website at marikafino.com. And if you like this podcast, Please subscribe and spread the word! Thank you!